What if business could be fun? This podcast is for people who no longer want work to be a four-letter word. It is a comedic look at the myths of work, life, and balance, where we expose the kind of thinking that sucks your will to live, and we replace it with powerful, easy-to-use tools so that you can shift gears and laugh about it all. The only requirement to listen is you need to be human. We're here. You and me, we're here. It's October. It is October 16th. Yeah. Already. 2020. The longest and shortest year of our lives. Yep. Hindsight ain't 2020 because we're not going to want to look back on 2020 in some ways. Although I do think, I mean, this is, you know, someone's going to slap me, but um, there is kind of some learning opportunity here. No, it's, it's, been, it's been the best of times and the worst of times. It completely, yes. Like never before. So It's the extremest of times. So before, before we wax on, um, this is uh, Elaine Williams and Kathy Keegan. Welcome to our podcast, Still Human. And um, I'm so honored because Kathy Keegan is just like this amazing coach and mentor and colleague and friend. And every time I get to talk with her, I learn so much. And I know she's going to introduce me in a second. I just wanted to say, welcome if you're new to us. You know, we started this podcast because we wanted to make a difference and we wanted to bring a comedic take on business and coaching. And because we're both amazing coaches and speakers, and yet sometimes we can't coach our own selves out of a paper bag. And that's why we wanted to call it Still Human, because, um, I mean, I love personal development, I love comedy, I love learning, and I can use it against myself in like 0.04 seconds. So, um, and we thought, you know what, when you're laughing, you're still winning. So welcome, welcome. If you're new, please subscribe and tell a friend about us. And I pass the baton to Kathy Keegan. Oh, Elaine, it's so good to be with you. And, you know, one rule for me is I don't get into a paper bag. That way it's, it's, it's easier to coach myself out of one. So there's one. So like we're full of wisdom here, as you can see. I mean, boom, sharp. So Elaine Williams. Yeah, that's it. So you can take that, take that with you. Um, the thing about Elaine is we were just talking about this before we went live is that she helps me really be who I am in some ways. She gives me this energy, the way she sees me, the way she hears me. It's a real art, what she's able to do. It's incredible. And so what we found is that we both realize that same element of humanity and that even, even though there are times when you might be listening to us and say, wow, they're dropping some wisdom or, and we hope you're doing that, um, that we want to let you know where it's coming from and how most people feel before they actually do something. Because a lot of what we can do today is be really presentational. Now, it's not, that's an important thing. And Elaine can help you with that, with Captivate the Crowd. She can help you put on a nice face and everything like that. But the other thing that she can help you do is really be real, you know, and um, she's the reason I'm able to do this podcast. It's her energy that helps me to be able to do that. So uh, it's an invaluable, it's an invaluable connection for me. And I'm just really, really grateful. 
Mm, thank you, Kathy. And I was I was talking to somebody this week. I said I actually help people take the polish off. <laughs> like, like people say, I want to be poised. I want to be super polished. And there is absolutely a place for that. But right now, especially with, with so much of us living online, living on Zoom, when you can be your most authentic, real self and transparent, I feel like people can connect with you more. So, um, you know, there's a place for polished and perfection with speaking, even though perfection is just a figment of the imagination. But I feel like I'm, I love being goofy and raw and real, and I love pulling that out of people. So, but thank you. You do. And, you know, here's the thing. As you said that, there's that ad. I forget the guy's name, but um, he's such a good salesman. He's the guy who, like, makes a boat out of duct tape. You know, and it's like on a hydrofoil made out of duct tape in the Everglades with alligators. And I'm just like, wow, is that real? And I think Consumer Reports doesn't really give the duct tape very high marks, but it doesn't matter because that person created this desire in me to, I want to build a boat out of duct tape. It just seems like a really cool thing. And so, you know, you can, you can really use your power for good. And you can use your power to sell, and we sell all the time. Um, but there are also ways of selling that are ethical and a little less so. You know, but he is, I don't know his name, but it's a real testimony to someone who doesn't have a great product, but really makes you want the product. Wow. Okay. I have, I have to find it. I have to find it now. It's like Flex Seal, I think, is the brand name. And it's like everything, it's like you're in the middle of a flood and this guy is taking this thing and putting it across a basement window to prevent the flood from coming in and it stops it. And it's such good marketing. Whether the product's good or not, it just, it draws you in. Love it. And, you know, I'm from the South originally, so duct tape is magic. And especially if you're in theater, you use duct tape for everything. I've used duct tape to hold up my boobs in a backless dress. I use duct tape to fix a broken bookcase. Like duct tape is like the magic glue that connects things together when you're from the South, especially. So, and uh, we're not sponsored by duct tape yet, but if that happens, you guys will be the first to know. So, but Kathy, I'm so happy to connect with you. I always feel happier when I talk to you. Kathy talks me off the ledge. I don't put myself in a paper bag. I put myself on the ledge sometimes. And Kathy will be like, okay, bring it in. You know, and it's so, that's why we both love coaching so much. Cause so much, so many times it's about the reframe, but that brings me to, I want you to share the quote you just share with me because, you know, we're heading into the last few months of 2020, which has been hellacious on so many levels. And I know the communities I'm in, the anxiety is high, the anticipation is high, the thought of more dark, more winter coming, the holidays with COVID, like, uh, and so I, you shared this quote, so please. Oh, sure, yeah, I, I, and you know, it's so true because all my extroverted business friends, entrepreneurial friends are like, help. Well, yeah, well, but they're also like, Let's make the last quarter the best ever. And, um, and people are trying. We're, you know, this is all of us are trying. We are trying. And, um, and I think that that's the really important thing is that this is all coming from a place of, of goodness. But I saw this quote and it really hit me hard. Um, there are near enemies to every great virtue. 
Reactions that come from a place of care in us and which feel right and good, but which subtly take us down an ineffectual path. Sorrow is a near enemy to compassion and love. It is born of sensitivity and feels like empathy, but it can paralyze us and turn us back inside with a sense that we can't possibly make a difference. And this hit me hard because many of the things that Elaine and I have learned over the years feel they're micro movements. They're teeny tiny movements. They're things that we do during a day that are not going to, you know, garner a news report. We will not be on the evening news because we took time to meditate. And it can feel when you're doing small movements like that, you can really get a feeling of why am I even bothering doing this? You, know, you get that feeling when you, you know, when I used to diet, it'd be like, there'd be that day where I'm like, why am I even doing this? And then of course the solution is not to just have a cookie. It's to eat the entire box or, or two as someone's holding up two fingers for our listeners or two. And it's fascinating because I used to think this as a kid, you know, people would go to the pits in my town to go drinking, right? And I thought if I went there, so people, you know, they drink a six pack or a case or whatever it is. If I brought a six pack of tomato juice, people would think I was nuts, but no one thinks it's nuts to drink six beers, right? And so it's just, it's very, very interesting how we can just kind of get thrown off and think that that's because you want to do something. When my sister got a cancer diagnosis about 20 years ago, I cleaned my whole apartment. I, did, I wanted to do something, right? And so, and that's in our nature. Like from the time we're born, there's a great video that they did in Sweden, I don't know how many years ago. And there is an innate helper in us that wants to help people when we're little. Right, right. And I think that's such a great point because I, 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 you know, I talk about this all the time with a dear friend. I think inherently people are good, most people, but we forget who we are when we feel threatened, afraid, left out, you know, and, and, you know, that's what's one of the things that's happening is this stirring of the tribalism and stirring of the, the fear mongering. And it's, it brings out the worst in people as opposed to like, you know, when people have their needs met and they feel connected and supported, there's so much love, but it's hard to find that right now. And so anyway, I'm just so grateful for you, Kathy, and, and all your, your wisdom. And, you know, we, we just wanted, one of the reasons we love this, to make this podcast is we laugh at things because it helps us process the pain. And it doesn't, I'm not, it's not belittling anybody else's pain and suffering because God knows there is a lot. But I know for me, when I get too bogged down, like the sorrow quote, that I'm not, I can't be of service. And so I do lots of things to try to keep my energy up and still feel the feelings. But you know, like I, I do watch comedy, I crack jokes, I make mistakes all the time. Oh, my gosh, I was talking, I was on a business Zoom with women, a lot of them I didn't know, some that I did, and I was talking about this other woman who I know from LinkedIn, who's like a badass on LinkedIn, and she has this name, and I said, kind of sounds like a porn star, and then I was like, oh my God, 
Elaine, I cannot believe you just said that. And luckily, nobody got offended out, you know, maybe inside, but nobody said anything. And so luckily we just moved on. But I was like, maybe you shouldn't make jokes about porn when you're in a business setting. So, you know, and, and I guess the miracle is that I could laugh at myself and I didn't go into a shame spiral, but I have so many times in the past, you know, I have a bubbly energy when I'm happy and connecting. Sometimes I say things without thinking. I'm working on that. Um, there's a gift in being spontaneous and there's challenges. And, you know, and I, you know, I've done that so many times where I said something inappropriate and then I was like, oh my God. And then I just beat myself, beat myself up. And so the miracle is that I was like, okay, like maybe next time you know, like zip it. Or, you know, you could have said a soap opera name that would be funny without making a porn analogy at 12 o'clock on a Tuesday. <laughs> too soon? Too early? Was it too soon? Too it's going to be 5 p.m. somewhere. Right. And I, I think that's the, 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 the key is that um, there's also an elegance in when we hear something like that in being able to, if someone needs to point something out, you can do it in a way that isn't shaming either, right? You know, someone could talk to somebody afterwards or not assume the worst. That's the hard thing. It's very hard to not assume. And it's really hard to read the room on a Zoom call. Well, yeah. Because, you know, we're very subtle in our reactions. And, you know, it's not like if the head isn't bobbing up and down, like I'm an over-enthusiastic audience member People love to look at me in the audience because I respond to everything. Me too. I try to be like a, I'm, here, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So I did a comedy Zoom thing Tuesday night, girls night out. And um, it, it was fun and it's just different. I can't wait to do live again. But this other woman, we were talking about story and humor and she's, she's a voiceover artist and she had so many great comments too. And she said, when I first on the second date with the, my now husband, I said, look, I'm an actress. I am not a domestic goddess. If I clean the house, I'm going to want an Oscar. If I cook dinner, I'm going to need applause for three days. And I was like, that's it. That's what's been missing in my life. Owning that instead of trying to be, a, you know, a, a challenged Martha Stewart. Like, you know what? I'm probably not going to master some things in this lifetime and, and be okay with that. So anyway, Kathy, so I would love to talk to you about what you're learning about this book that you're reading. I love Kathy. She's always reading like five books at the same time. Just hanging out with her, I get smarter. It's so cool. But tell us about this book and your take on it. Well, I just started reading it and um, it's... I thought you were rereading it. Uh, not this one. No, I th and you know, someone probably did recommend it. It's interesting how, you know, one of the things that you were talking about, that whole idea of um, this is who I am, what, what you're, what you're, this is the right, I am what I am, this is who I am, and people respecting that and, and, and loving people for that. Um, you know, sometimes my husband and I will say, love me anyway, you know, and it's just sort of because it's like, this is me. This is me, unapologetically me. And, it, and so, um, so in terms of the book, it's Krista Tippett 
has a program on NPR called On Being. And this book she wrote is Becoming Wise. And what she's interested in doing is having conversations beyond the traditional this or that line. She's really trying to explore more deeply to find out sort of behind an issue what's really going on. And that's something that I've always really appreciated about her because I feel like in some ways we're being called to do that because right now we're just throwing things at each other in the playground, right? It's just like, you're a jerk. Well, you're a stupid face. And um, I don't agree with you. So you suck. Exactly. And, 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 and that is powerful stuff, right? You know, our, we're built to want to protect. And so um, I, I, I've been feeling that and just feeling like I think more, we're capable of more. We have a prefrontal cortex or as I like to say, pre-effing frontal cortex. Oh, that. It, you know, you know. Which is not the amygdala, fight, flight, freeze. Right, and none of them are good or bad, but when they get overstimulated, they can do things chemically in your body that just aren't so great. And the idea that we can go beyond yes or no, we can go into shades of gray, maybe not 50 of them, you know, that's another podcast. Well, and, and, you know, I just think of, I'm sort of riffing here, but you know, it's like you go on, um, you know, you go on Google and it's sort of like 85 ways to data. I don't need 85 ways. I can barely absorb one. And I think with numbers, we can only memorize up to about seven. But one of the things I am doing is I'm practicing being an emotion scientist rather than emotion judge. And so I'm doing this book club and it's with this guy wrote a book, his name is Mark Brackett, called Permission to Feel. And he has been studying emotions. I think Brene Brown had him on her podcast. Yes. And I think she wrote a foreword to his book because, and, and so it's a five-week book club. And so we're reading different chapters. And so they're doing things like making a face and then asking us to say what it is in real time. And so the answers could not have been more different. They ran from contempt to joy, one face he made. And what that's telling us is it's not that easy to read someone else's emotions if you don't have the context, Um, if you don't know who they are. You're going to see it through your lens. And what I realized is that we do a lot of assuming, right? And that's, part of the, that's partly our brain trying to take shortcuts, right? It's just trying to come up with quick answers to things. Put you in this category. Let me put this in this category. It's, it's an automatic human thing, right? Totally. It's just that way that we want to we wanna label. And so we need to put somebody somewhere. But they're doing these evaluations and we're kind of the test case. So I love doing this stuff. And it is so hard to tell. It really is hard to tell unless you ask questions unless you ask the person how are you feeling you know and how often do we do that um and again i i made that sound like a a very judgmental thing because of course that's totally built into my language (laughs) because i realized like one of our assignments last week was be an emotion scientist not an emotion judge because it's like no i am an emotion scientist and then the minute someone a loved one near me had an emotion i was like what? What do you want? What? So great. Well, one of my favorite yoga teachers used to say, can you be curious instead of judgmental? Can you be curious? And it's such a 
more fun way to be. And that's one reason I love comedy so much because, you know, when I'm listening for the funny or I'm listening like, you know, we all have days. Like I was on hold with the IRS for three hours yesterday. Now I was putting around and I was like, I'm not going to let this ruin my day. But I kept thinking this is really going to be funny in like a month. Three hour call, a three hour call. Uh Oh, that's for our um, under 30 people um, and, and newcomers. Yeah. Sorry. It was this awesome, awesome, awesome show called Gilligan's Island. And it was all about these people who went on a three-hour tour and they got stranded on a desert island. This is way before Lost and way before Survivor. But there was a movie star named Ginger. And then there was the next girl from next door, Marianne. And I wanted to be both of them depending on my mood. And there was a professor. Anyway, it's a really fun show. And unfortunately, Ginger got typecast from that show that only had a couple of seasons and even though she was Shakespearean trained she had a hard time getting gigs afterwards hopefully she got residuals but but we digress but back to our three-hour call (laughs) but I love the permission to feel I I, you know anybody that Brene Brown mentions I take note I, I love her podcast and also Kathy I know you've helped me so much navigate what the heck is happening in our country right now um politically, you know, on so many levels. And there's another book you were talking about, Cast? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's, um, that's another book club that I'm in with the, um, with the coaches. So this is a coaching group that I belong to. And one of the things that's always fascinated me over the years is hierarchies, is the way we put ourselves into hierarchies and the way we, you know, the, the way... So even within something, so let's say, for example, we're at a luncheon, you know, back in the day, we're members of eWomen Network, we would have these luncheons in real person, right? So you walk in and you see everybody and you're chatting with everybody, but then you go and sit at a table and maybe you're a table leader. So then your table kind of becomes your team. Then you go and do another accelerated networking and then there's another group of people and that group becomes your people right before you're ready to go get food right? So this, I don't know if I explained this well, but what happens even in that moment is that some people become your people because they're at your table or they're in your group. And so we make little groups. I know what happens to me if I get to a party early because I don't arrive fashionably late and I'm so psyched to be talking with these people and then someone else comes in and my first internal reaction is, great, you ruined it. It's like, Kath, it's a party. That's, it's supposed to happen. Like more people are supposed to come in. Isn't that interesting? I know. I mean, I, you know, I, I have 20 years sobriety and one of the many reasons I used to drink and drug was I had social anxiety and um, I still, you know, every once in a while, I still struggle with that. There's like, I'm, there's a part of me that's very extrovert comedian speaker, but there's another part of me that can feel shallow and like, you want, you, you, you want me to talk, talk? Am I, what, you know, like, which people find, you know, some people are like, you're kidding, but it's very common for comedians and speakers to be introvert introverts, you know? Yeah. And, and so this, this, this need to just on the slightest level of just going to a luncheon and sort of, there's a hierarchy there of people that you've connected with. Um, we do it systematically. And this book is about how 
this country systematically. You know, they discovered, hey, if we look through this lens, if we get people to look through this lens, then we can legislate in such a way that we can create something that keeps a group at the bottom, like the untouchables, the Dalits in um, India, we can keep a group at the bottom and then everyone else who is of a different color can try to assimilate at the top and be in various levels. And so it's, it's really, really powerful stuff. It's horrifying because a lot of it has been excluded from history. I mean, I grew up thinking I lived in a melting pot. Honest to God, people said to me, Kath, you know, and, and then, and I know there are a lot of people listening now who are like, hello, you figured this one out. And I understand, I understand that feeling because, but it's, it's when you are hoodwinked and when you are, are fed a story and a narrative, it's like the fish doesn't know it's in water. It's just in its environment. Right. And, and that's one reason I love, like, we're both like middle-aged white women and we're like, but, but we want to continue the conversation about diversity. And I'm one of my commitments since George Floyd, I thought I was woke. I'm not, is to keep educating myself and keep having conversations and, and, and even more inclusion because, um, you know, I don't have kids. That's one of the ways I want to hopefully leave the world a better place. You're going to have kids? No. No, they kid. You know what I learned? Kids don't like to be tied up. So I, you know, if I, if I have to go away, I can't just like leave them. Right, and that's yeah. That's why you need a pet. They need more than my ivy. So I, you know, that's I draw the line because you know. But yeah, I I love that you were talking about that and and that there is this weird need. They did a study, um, and they had graduate students and kindergartners. And they did this study over and over and over. And they gave a group of each in category. They said, here is some mud and chocolate and uncooked spaghetti. We want you to make work as a team and make something and make it as tall as you possibly can. Like the goal was to make a structure out of weird stuff and had to have to work together. And I forget how many times they ran it, but many and every single time, the kindergartners beat the graduate students. And that to me is so fascinating because the, the graduate students spend so much time seeking each other's approval and jockeying for the right roles to not rock the boat. It was all about where do I fit in in this thing and getting people to like you and playing all of those social unconscious things that we do. And the kindergartners hadn't been socialized yet. So they were like, let's play, let's make the thing. And they, every time, and I feel like, you know, when I heard that, how much, and, and how much have I limited myself because I was trying to like not rock the boat, don't truly own your leadership Elaine, because people might not like you and you have to be likable because you're from Texas and that's a religion. And you know, and, and so that's something I, I still bump up against. I've made progress, but, but yeah, I think. And the reason you do that is because people judge. Right, right. And, that, and that's one thing I'm always talking about with my students and clients. Like, can you reframe it? Like, okay, nobody wants to be cyber bullied, but what if it actually meant that you were on your way? What if it meant you were boldly speaking your truth and nobody's going to hurt you? You can take the comment down or you can go, wow big time people get um, criticized. I'm on my way. I'm just like Oprah. I'm just like Mark Cuban. 
I'm like the shark tank people, you know, what if you could reframe it? And that, that's one reason I always love talking to Kathy. She's like, well, what about the reframe? So anyway, we could talk about this forever, but you know, I want to, if people, if you're suffering at your job, if you're in corporate or you're thinking about it or whatever, if you're suffering any place to do with work, I encourage you to call Kathy Keegan, K-A-T-H-Y-K-E-E-G-A-N, because she, that's her specialty is to end needless workplace suffering. Even if it's at home. Even if it's at home. Like I am my own boss and sometimes my boss is horrible. You know, so she is so good at reframing, helping people empower, helping people step out of their old story and helping to create the story they want to tell. And I just can't say enough about Kathy. And if you're looking for a funny speaker, she is delightful too. Oh, thank you. And by, and vice versa as, um, I don't know what I'm quoting, but, um, yeah, I think it's, it's important because, um, some of the most powerful stuff is not sexy, you know? The non-sexy parts of business. Oh, right. Following up, organizing. Right. And, but those are, those are the building blocks. Those are the things that, you know, and, and so we're trying to figure out a way to make that more interesting, you know, but. Um, to gamify it, to make it fun. Exactly. But what we'll say is it works. And so what works is when you work with Elaine and she's, t- telling you nothing but asking you everything right so she asks and asks and asks and asks and she is curious and curious and curious and this lets you dig below the surface more and really get to the heart of the matter because a lot of us do tell sort of more superficial stories because the fact is we do get judged nobody wants to be judged but we do it all the time if we're not aware you know, we all do it. And so it's just becoming more aware of that is, is that we build these protections. We build these personalities. We build these, this, a lot of this extreme craziness comes from a place of wanting to feel safe. Isn't that strange? And it, well, now I so get it. And, you know, what I teach, it, it does take courage. Like if I can give you a courage pill, I would, but, but it takes courage to be real and raw and vulnerable And to me, that's where life really happens. And those are the kinds of conversations I only want to have real meaningful. You know, I'm in my fifties and I'm like, I don't know how much longer I get to be on this crazy, insane, beautiful planet, but I want to have conversations that make a difference. And I want to help people heal the world one story at a time, you know? And so that's, that's my mission. So if any of this resonates with you, you can find me at Captivate the Crowd. You can find me at Elaine Williams. You can find us, um, you know, we're building more cool stuff for this podcast. And, you know, we just are, we want to make a difference and help people laugh and hopefully laugh at themselves and who they are in business and life because we, we need that now. Honey child, we need that now. And, and that's really the key to the quote that I read is, you know, the, the, the more you work on, you know, sort of being who you are and accepting other people as how they are, you know, um, the, the, that's, that's how we make the change because that's foundational. It's, it's, it's like building a foundation. And of course, what's the prettiest part of the building? Not the foundation, but it's the most critical part of the building. It's unsexy. It's again, unsexy. But, but yeah, if you can go really tall 
then that is sexy. So, all right. Thank you so much for listening. Kathy, it was so great to be with you. I miss you. I can't wait till I see you in person. I know it's been a long time. Stay tuned and please subscribe. We'd love to hear from you if there's topics you want. Yeah, please let us know. There's like a hundred years of wisdom in these two brains and we, we love. It's actually a little more. She's being kind, but yeah, there's, there's more than a hundred years. You know, rough, roughly, roughly. So thank you so much. And we hope to see you and connect with you. And we're sending you a big virtual hug and lots of love and laughter. Bye, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. Yay, you made it to the end. Thank you so much for listening. We're so excited you were here. Feel free to reach out at stillhumanpodcast at gmail.com or Kathy at kathykeegan.com or Elaine at captivatethecrowd.com. See you next time.